Lord, we give you thanks for your amazing love that's shown in this passage. And we pray that you'll fill me with your spirit, that as I preach, Lord, and that you will speak uh, through me. And we pray that you'll fill each one of us with your spirit, that we may hear, hear the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are many uh, quirky rules um, that people, the parents might make up for their children, most often for very good reasons. I had a friend whose mom forced her children to match the laundry clip um, or pins with the color of, of the clothing or the cloth that she was hanging this was a very, very important thing, so that the red clips go with the red clothes and things like that. Since my friend has since escaped the tyranny of laundry color matching, she now wears anything she wants, and she, uh, she even does these uh, unmatching socks time to time, and she doesn't worry about which... Well, people don't use clips anymore. But that's parents. I wonder if um, your parents has ever said that to you. Um, as long as you live under my roof... You do things my way, my way. Well, I wonder if you've said that to your kids. Essentially, what they're saying is, really, if you want to do things your way, you have to leave the house. My way or the highway. In fact, when it comes to our lives, really, actually, there are only two ways to live. God's way or our way. And this familiar story is about what it means to live our life our way. And actually, when we think about how God wants us to live, I hope it will surprise you that living, God, uh, living our lives in God's way. I imagine as a father, one of the most difficult things um, might be that if, I, if my son didn't love me back, not because I'm a needy person, I really need his love, but because I would love my son with all of my heart. But this son, the younger son, does not, does not love his father. He doesn't want to be in his father's house. He doesn't want to be in relationship with his father. So he asks for his uh, inheritance. What he wants is his father's things, the things that his father has, but not the father himself. And so when the younger son asked for his inheritance, what he's saying is, give me the money that you would give me when you're dead so I can take it and live my life my way is what he was asking. Of course, the, sto- the father in the story is, the father, uh, is God. And many people have done exactly that as they live their life. Nietzsche boldly announced, God is dead. And in the, the book, Brothers Karamazov, the, one of the main characters, Ivan, takes one more step. He says, if God is dead, then all things are per- permissible. If God is dead, I can really live my life my way, not God's way. If God doesn't govern his life, then he can do whatever he wants with his life, he says. So many people have lived life this way. The younger son went off to a distant country, as far away from his father. And some of us have had that experience, uh, experience too, going as far away from God as possible and living our, our life our way. But as the story goes, we see that actually it didn't go so well with the younger son. He squandered his money in wild living. And to exacerbate the problem, uh, there was what we might call sort of market crash or recession. There was a famine. 
but with the wages that he was earning, he couldn't, he didn't have, he, he wasn't, uh, for the first time in his life, he looked for a job. So, because he had to. But because, but uh, with the wages that he was earning, he didn't, have, he didn't have enough money to buy the food for himself. So, he thought, since his job was uh, feeding pigs, he longed to fill his stomach with the food that pigs were eating, which would have been just a terrible thing for a Jewish person. And as we can see in verse 19, he starts daydreaming about his father's house and how even the hired men in his father's house ate until their bellies were full. So he decided to return home. Living life our way, apart from the relationship with God, sometimes means, means hitting the rock bottom. Christianity is filled with these stories. Some of you have told me, actually, this is how you, beca- you became a Christian. When things just went really terribly and you had no, no, nowhere, uh, you could turn uh, nowhere uh, for help, you turned to God and God helped you. And that's how you became a Christian. There are famous people like Chuck Colson, the, the scapegoat in the, in the Watergate scandal, um, Nixon's uh, Watergate scandal. He only became an evangelical Christian when he was facing a jail cell. There are so many of these stories uh, in Christianity that it's almost become a caricature of Christians in the media. So when you think of Christians in the media, it's often people who have turned to God uh, because they hit the rock bottom. And this might be you. You might have lived your life your way and you found that it was, it was not what you had expected and so you turned to God and you found God a welcoming presence. And I hope if this is what you are going through right now, I hope you will turn to Christ. But I want to say, actually, Christianity is not only for the people who have hit the rock bottom. In fact, many people turn to Christ even at the height of their career. Because they have ascended to the top, but found that the top wasn't actually exactly what they had expected. They lived their life their way and have succeeded. But in their success, they found their life wanting. They thirsted for more. Malcolm Mugridge was a journalist who died in 1990. He's a British journalist, and some will remember him to be a person who rose to the top in British journalism and media. He became a Christian in his 60s, and he later on preached the sermon um, that said this. Um, I think the quote will come up. I may, I suppose, regard myself or pass for being as a relatively successful man. People occasionally stare at me in the streets. That's fame. I can fairly easily earn enough to qualify for admission to the high, higher, higher slopes of the internal revenue, and that's success. Furnished with money and a little fame, even, uh, even the elderly, if they care to, may partake in trendy diversions. And that's pleasure. It might happen once in a while that something I said or wrote was sufficiently heated for me to persuade myself that it represented a serious impact on our time. That's fulfillment. So he had fame, success, money, pleasure, Influence, fulfillment. But then he continues. Yet I say to you, 
And I beg you to believe me. Multiply these tiny triumphs by a million and, and, but, and add them all together. They are nothing, less than nothing. A positive impediment, a stumbling block, a measured against one drop of that living water Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty, irrespective of who or what they are. You see, even at the top, people still thirst for Christ. You can live your life your way, whether that is being successful or hitting the rock bottom or anything in between, without the relationship with God the Father. The life, that life will always be missing something. The living water that only your Father, your Creator, your Maker can offer. And of course, the son, the younger son, does go back to his father. He knows he's in the wrong, so he wouldn't dare to ask his father to take him back as a son. So he, 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 he is going to ask him to um, make him a servant, a slave for him, for his, for his father. But the generous father would have none of it, none of it. The father must have been watching for his son daily because when his son was far away, Jesus tells us in verse 20 that when the son was still, still far away, he runs after his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. In the Middle Eastern culture, elder people don't, older people don't run. They don't run. Um, it would be inappropriate. That's the same reason why you don't see um, Queen Elizabeth ever running. It would be beneath her to run. And it's the same thing. But filled with compassion, he runs after his son. Even as his son repeats the line that he rehearsed, the father restores him fully. He puts the best robe around him. He takes a ring and gives it to him. He, sees, uh, he, he gives him a, a, a pair of shoes. And then he kills a fattened calf and throws a party for him. And then the father cries out in verse 24, this For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost. He was lost and is found. And if you have lived your life your way, but have found it wanting, do turn to your maker. Do turn to Christ. Do ask him to forgive you for the way in which you have ignored him and lived your life your way. No matter how bad you have been, no matter whether you think you're deserving of it or not, God will accept you and embrace you in in his loving, loving arm, not because you deserve it, but because he is loving, because he's made a way for you to become his child. It's an amazing story, and even if it ended right there, I think it would be an amazing story for us to hear. But the story is not done yet because there is a second category of people who are lost here. And it's amazing um, uh, what God has done, what the father has done for the younger son. But now we're introduced to the elder son in the next verse, in in the next scene in, uh, in verse 25. I said in the beginning that there are only two ways to live. Um, Surely the elder son must have lived in the right way. In many ways, he did, he, he did good things in his life. Look what he says to his father when his father comes out to persuade him to come uh, to the party. Uh, he says in verse 29, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. What he's saying is, 
all these years, he's been good. He's obeyed his father. He's worked his father. He's, not done, he's never done anything bad in his life, he says. Uh, he, uh, many of you know who uh, Jesus is talking about at this time. Um, uh, in, in, in order for us to find out, we need to go back to the first uh, two verses of the chapter. Uh, where we're introduced to two groups of people. So there are two groups. In verse 1, there is the tax collectors and sinners that Jesus is hanging out with. He's having a party with them. Clearly, these are people who are hated by everybody, people who are lost traditionally. Uh, And clearly, this is the younger brother. But then we're introduced in verse 2 to the second group of people, the respectable crowd, the Pharisees, who were really professional do-gooders, and the teachers of the law, who were like the theology professors and pastors of the day. Jesus is calling them the elder brother. They're the elder brother because they're the ones who go out of their way to keep God's law. They live the law. They taught the law. Um, uh, They really live the law. They might have said, like the elder brother, I've done everything, everything that you told me to do from the very beginning of my life until now I've kept your law. And it's important to remember that Jesus isn't criticizing them, calling them an elder brother because of their hypocrisy. It's not hypocrisy that he's pointing to. He's saying something more subtle, more, something, more, uh, something deeper than that. You see, at the end of the day, the elder brother has made the same mistake uh, that the younger brother made. He lived his life his way and not God's way. The elder son says uh, he worked like a slave. But that's not, the, what, 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 that's not what the father wanted for him. You see how the father gently calls him in verse 31. My son, you're my son. The father seems almost bewildered when his elder son says, you've never given me even a young goat. The father answers, you're always with me, and everything that I have is yours. You see, the elder brother lived, elder son lived his way. He slaved for his father and obeyed his father, not because he loved his father and had a relationship with the father, but because he also wanted things from his father. He wanted the calf. He says, you didn't give me, even give me a calf for, my, for me to party with. He wanted his father's inheritance just as much as the younger son did. In a novel, uh, Wise Blood, Flannery O'Connor says of her character Hazel, there was a deep, black, wordless conviction in him that the way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin. If you are to avoid Jesus, um, the character, if the character was avoided, uh, to, uh, to avoid Jesus, this person knew that the way to do that was to avoid sin, to have no need for Jesus. And that's what the elder son did. Some think that if, you are, if they are good enough by themselves, um, they wouldn't need God as their savior. He worked so hard so you, he could say, you owe me. You owe me because I lived my life for you. And there might be a few of us here today who are trying to do the same thing. Whether in the church or outside of it, 
If you think, if you live your life with integrity, integrity, if you love your neighbor as yourself, if you turn the other cheek, if you go to church uh, and tithe, if you go visit the sick uh, and the hungry, if you go out, um, you, you might, it, might not, it might be outside of the church, if you live uh, your life in the right way, then God will have to reward you for your goodness. But you see, that's not the Father's way either. Moralism is not God's way. And it shows because the elder brother was nothing like the father. Nothing like the father. The elder son felt bitter and angry when things didn't go his way. He felt superior um, to his younger brother and to other people. He, like many of us uh, who try so hard to earn our salvation, was unforgiving and judgmental. And most of all, he lacked the assurance of his father's love. And the sad thing is, after all that effort, the elder son is still outside of his father's house, outside of the feast. And in the end, it was his goodness that kept him away from his father. What does it mean to live God's way then? I think it boils down to this, having the right relationship with God, loving God, and being loved by God, as we were meant to do. The younger son considered his father dead. He used his father to get what he wanted. The elder son lived his life his way as well. He worked so hard, obeyed every rule, so he could put his father in debt, so he could get what he wanted. And neither son had a relationship, the right relationship with their father. But you see, the father comes out to meet the younger son, but also to the elder son as well. He comes out because he wants that relationship with his sons. God wants a relationship with us. God wants us to know him and to love him and to be, to be loved by him. Living our lives God's way means living as God's beloved children who don't need to earn his favor, who don't need to work as a wage earner, or as a slave, or to obey God out of fear. And see, God has made a way for us to be adopted as his children. He paid the cost of adoption, and it was a big cost. You see, a fattened calf was killed so that the younger son could have his party. So he could enjoy the feast. And in order for us to be welcomed into his family, the cost that the father had to pay was much greater God sends his own son to die for us. Jesus comes and lives his life and he dies for us so that we could give our sin to him, so that he could give his righteousness to us. So we could, so he could take, Jesus could take what we deserve, which is death on the cross, And he could give us what he deserves, which is a feast 
with his father. In effect, we put on his robes, the robes that he deserves, the ring that he deserves, the shoes that he deserves, and the feast that he deserves. Jesus gives that to us. Your way, or God's way, God's way is to be loved by him and to love him. And why wouldn't you want to love a God like this? God who has given everything so that we could have relationship with him. And I hope if you haven't turned to Christ, if you haven't um, turned to Christ as your Savior, I hope you'll see the need for it today and turn to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for uh, your life, death, and resurrection. And we thank you that it is through him that we are adopted into God's family. And we pray for the younger son among us. Lord, uh, people who um, have lived our our lives our own way, and Lord, uh, who are thirsting for you, And we pray those people will turn to you today. And we pray also for the elder son among us, people who um, are trying to put God into our debt, to force God to do the things that we want him to do. And we pray that those people will turn to you today. And we pray that all of us, every one of us in this church, will come to know and love you and to live our lives for you because we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.